Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Baptism of our Lord. Um, (laughs) There are reasons why we focus on this text for today during this specific season of of God's, uh, of, excuse me, the reasons why we focus on this text in the season of, of, of Epiphany, that God shows himself in various ways, and in this way, that he shows himself through the baptism of Christ, is something that wasn't just a one-time thing, It's not something that was just this really great thing that certain people got to see and we get to hear about or read about. It is something that is a reality for all of those who are baptized into Christ now and since since he was baptized now and until he comes again. That last week on last Sunday, we talked about how the 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 excuse me the circumcision of Jesus meant that all those who had been a part of that covenant were were um, shown to be right were legitimized in their following in God's word and yet after he did that work no one no man needed be circumcised according to God's covenant again because of baptism. That now, because Christ has been baptized, all should be baptized. That in his baptism, our baptism means something. In fact, it means everything. It is the means by which God gives us his grace. It is the way that he smiles upon us and has us look to where our assurance of salvation can be found, not just in the washing of that, of the, of the, the water by the hand of a pastor, but the promise that goes along with that, the promise that is spoken in baptism that the name of God, the triune name, that the Father, the Son, and and the Holy Spirit are now placed on those who are baptized and rests on them and gives them all that Christ has, has won and done for them. So what happens here with Jesus' baptism that everyone can see and hear where the Spirit of God uh, descends like a dove and comes to rest on Jesus, and then the voice that comes that comes from heaven saying, "This is my, this is my my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased." All the people saw this and they heard it, and so it is also for us that we don't necessarily see and hear these things as they did, but it is. What happens when we are baptized into the triune name of God? That so here with Christ in his baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present. So it is 
for all of us who are, who are baptized, that the Spirit descends on us and God himself says, this is my beloved son, my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased because of my son who was sent to die for them. That just because you can't see or hear these things happening, these things happening doesn't mean that they can't be happening, especially when God's word makes these, these connections so as to make it foolish to say that baptism isn't what God's word says it is, right? That God's word is plain and makes and makes makes the case clear that those who are baptized and believe will be saved, but whoever, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And this is strange to the world. I know I've talked a lot about baptism, but, uh, and, and sometimes I wonder, how much can you hear about baptism before you get sick of it? But as one of my uh, professors from the seminary said, that when he was a pastor, he said the one thing that he had to get used to was saying certain things over and over and over again because we need to hear them, right? It is good to hear about what baptism does for you because it should be a daily reminder of who you are now in Christ, what your life should be now in Christ, that you should be set apart from this world and made holy by God's grace and by his name that is placed on you in holy baptism. That the world sees a bit of, a bit of uh, sprinkling or even a dunking of one in water with some words spoken as maybe some hocus pocus. The world sees it this way. They see it as foolishness. They go, oh, that's just something that you Christians do. I mean, maybe now, well, at one point, the world might not have been so crass because at least to be a Christian meant to be that you were part of the general society and things like that. But now that Christianity is waning on popularity, I wouldn't be surprised if we got more people saying, what's with baptism and what does it matter and who cares? So what? But this is why we should care. Because God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame those who are strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to, to, bring to, to, to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That he chooses lowly things, common things like water and words to do his work. And he does this to bring about anybody no matter how young, how old, no matter what they've done or haven't done, to be his child, to shame those who look on what we do, to shame those who say it's a matter of choice or you have to, well, for, I didn't mean for this to be a polemic, but to say that you have to make a, 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 a decision for Christ or to say that you have to know what you're doing to be baptized. I mean, I'm, I'm not just somebody who, who just hears these things and, and, 
has no, has just kind of the abstract connection to it. My mom was raised Baptist, and when she was, I think, 10 or 11, maybe 8, as young as 8, she was at a vacation Bible school or some sort of day school at the church, and someone asked her, Debbie, do you want to be baptized? And she, she says, okay, she's a little kid. And uh, the person says, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And she says, yes. She goes, do you want to be baptized? Yes. And they baptized her. And, and, and not to speak badly of my grandmother, I love her to death, but my mom went home and my grandmother said, they shouldn't have done that. You don't know what you're doing. You're too young. You don't know. Sadly, that's how a lot of Christians think, that to believe is to know everything that there is to know. But the mystery of God's salvation and faith is just too great for anyone to fully comprehend. If we fully understood, we would never be baptized, right? We would never be baptized. How can you fully fathom God's grace in descending His only begotten Son to die for you? How can you fully fathom the gifts that are given to you in simple water in God's word. How can you? And to say that babies can't believe, I mean, children are very faithful. My kids trust me all the time, and I don't know if I'm necessarily all that trustworthy. My kids trust me not to drop them when I'm carrying them around. They can have faith. They believe. And the word creates faith. The word that says Christ has died for you, though you don't deserve it, creates faith that lasts, that sustains, because God has promised it. So, for us to see baptism as it rightly is, is to be foolishness to the world, to baptize babies or to baptize people who may not have the cognitive ability to assent Right? That even goes to those who are not necessarily, um, who are cognitively um, not capable of fully understanding certain things, right? That they have faith, they have trust, and the word promises that it will create that faith and trust. So that the baby that is baptized here at this font is just as much a child of God as someone who goes their entire life and is on their deathbed and is baptized as a child of God. That in God's eyes, he is the one that merits that salvation that is necessary. He is the one who promises these things. He is the one who gives, and all we do is get. And it is a beautiful thing so that we know in this gift that we can boast, not in ourselves, but, but we boast in Christ, that we remember what it is that God has done for us every single day. When we rise and we make the sign of the cross, when we come to church and we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we remember who we are, who God has made us to be. We remember who we are because Christ has died for us. 
that in that washing we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. That as with Jesus and the Spirit resting on him, now the Spirit rests on us. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells with us and through us and in us so that we would be new creations, sons of God in whom he is well pleased. So that we remember that this is not part of our text for today, but this is the very end of Matthew chapter three, that right after this, Right after Jesus is baptized, what happens? Anybody know? What happens right after he's baptized? Is everything just great and he just goes and he goes to a party and everyone's saying, hey, congratulations, Jesus, on your baptism. Everything's going to be fine. Or something to that effect. Well, Matthew tells us that in chapter 4, then, right after this, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That with our baptism, not only comes great blessing in being a child of God, but now as a child of God, I hate to tell you, Satan hates you. And he's coming for you. And he's gunning for you all the time. But the beautiful part about that is, that he cannot go so far to completely destroy you. He can only go so far as God allows him to. But God brings these things about. The Father brings trials about for us so that we would be chastened, we would be disciplined, we would be strengthened and brought up as his dear son, as his dear child, to live in his grace to constantly turn to him and say, Father, forgive me. Father, help me. Father, strengthen me. Give me patience. <laughs> I was preparing for this sermon, and my wife is out of town right now, uh, attending the funeral for her grandfather up in um, New York. And so I'm alone with the kids. <laughs> My parents have come to help me, and that's kind of why they're not here. We kind of said, they're, they're may, they might be a little too much to handle in church right now. So, so they're watching from at home. And I was reading these texts and thinking to myself, how does this apply to me? Oh, my goodness. How can it not? How can it not? I found myself praying more and more frequently and fervently than I have in a long time with a little toddler that is being potty trained and in the middle of the night, you hear on the monitor saying, I gotta go potty. Especially when you have to preach the next day and this has been night number three or four in a row that this has happened four or five times during the night. You think to yourself, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me as your dear child. Give me the strength. Give me the patience so that my child will see. And I'll be honest, I haven't always been the most patient. I haven't been the most kind during those times in the middle of the night. But that's also the opportunity to preach God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness that he gives each one of us in our baptism to share with everyone else, baptized or not. That in this great gift, he strengthens us. 
He prepares us every single day. He reminds us what He does for us so that we would not be overcome by this world, but overcome the world by faith in Christ, so that we would not boast in ourselves, but that we would boast in the Lord, so that we would hear that He has certainly told us that he will give us a covenant for, 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 for the people, a light for the nations, to, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring about the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. For he has put his, his spirit on us. He has, shot, he has shown his light on us so that we would not just wander about in this dark world, but have a guide and have his word to show us where we should go and what we should do as his children in whom he is, in whom he, he is, he is well pleased. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.